I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Welcome to the first episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. This will be my new podcast, where I release all animal rights related episodes. If you haven't listened to my older podcast, Jay Won't Darts Podcast, there are still plenty of interesting animal rights related episodes. I'll link to those on my blog. You can see all episodes of Jay Won't Darts Podcast at jaywontdart.blogspot.com with direct download links. Or you could get the episodes from iTunes by searching for Jay Won't Dart, in which this podcast, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, will also show up. I'm going to leave all previous episodes alone, but this podcast, Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, will be where all future episodes about animal rights will be released. Perhaps you would like to subscribe to both of my podcasts, my general topic podcast and this podcast you are listening to now, covering animal rights. This episode, the story of starving dairy cows in New Zealand at a farm owned by Alan Crafer. The Crafers are currently New Zealand's largest individually owned dairy group. This shocking story was broken by interest.co.nz, so I'll play back their initial report. Hello, I'm Bernard Hickey from interest.co.nz, and welcome to a special report on animal neglect in New Zealand's biggest dairy farming group. This is a story which for many viewers will be shocking. It includes video we've received from a farm in the Cray Farms group, owned by Alan Crafer and his family. They are New Zealand's largest individually owned dairy farming group. They have over 30,000 stock. They have production that's worth half of 1% of Fonterra's output. 22 farms, many of them very large factory farms. What you're about to see in a few minutes is a video that is shocking. It shows calves being allowed to starve to death because of poor management and basically neglect of the stock. This is a story that could have ramifications for all of New Zealand's dairy industry, for the bankers who gave this farming group the money, and potentially for New Zealand's reputation as a supposedly 100% pure place to come. What we're about to show you is the inside of a calf rearing shed on a farm near Bennydale, just outside of Tokaroa, in between Hamilton and Taupo, I suppose you could call it. This is a former beef farm, 1,800 acres, 1,800 cows, and it's a huge operation. In fact, too huge for the Crafer Farms to deal with. Remember, this is a small family farming group. They started off with just one farm, and in the space of 10 years, grew it to 22 farms. They took on $200 million worth of debt, and frankly, it's overwhelmed them. They haven't got the staff to manage it, they haven't got the trained people to be able to keep this, their animals safe. And what we're about to show you in this video proves that. Right now, I'm just gonna show this video, and I'm gonna talk over the top of it. What you'll see is some calves who are slowly dying. Some of them are already dead. They have effectively been allowed to die by the management on this farm, 
who have not arranged to make sure they've learnt how to feed and they've been left there for days on end. I'm going to talk over the top of this video. You'll see in this video that some parts of it have been obscured to protect the identity of the person who gave us this video, who frankly, and we'll talk about this later, was a very brave person. Okay, we're going to show you the video. What you're seeing now is the inside of a carving shed on this dairy farm near Bennydale. The person who took this video realised that the calves, in many cases, were very hungry and hadn't been fed for days on end. They had been left inside this carving shed and were unable to eat properly. Many of them had not been shown how to feed. On a dairy farm, when a calf is born, it, it uh, usually is fed up for a few days and then put on the bobby calf truck. It goes to a networks and is slaughtered humanely. But those calves need to be looked after in those few days before, before they're born and before they are sent to the works. In this case, the calves were not taught how to, to drink from a, a shed. And so they sat in that yard, slowly dehydrating to death. What you're seeing now is a group of calves. Some of them, and you can hear from what they're, what they're bellowing, some of them are desperately hungry. Some of them are near death. They have dehydrated so badly that they simply can't stand up. Many of them, here you can see from the person who is looking at these calves, are so near death that they can hardly bellow. You can see from the position of the skin on their ribs that they are horribly hungry. Many of them are only three or four days old. This calf, for example, you can see has never been able to drink. And when the skin is held up, it falls back slowly, showing that the calf is horribly dehydrated. As we go around, you can see more and more calves are in a very dehydrated state and many are lying on the ground. It's at this stage that the person taking the video becomes very concerned about their health and is frankly shocked by what this person sees. As we go around, we see more calves which are lying on the ground and shortly we're about to see some calves which are so hungry they're actually trying to get milk off another calf. Their basic instincts are kicking in and they know that to get milk they have to push their head up against the udder of their mother. Of course there is no mother there and they're having to try and get some milk out of another calf. Now we see some calves which are really on the edge of being dead. They're lying in the corner They've never been able to feed. As you can see here, um, this one is right on the edge of death. Uh, the person taking the video is checking to see whether it's alive or not. And you can see is quite shocked by what they see. This calf is actually still alive, although you can see it has effectively evacuated its bowels and is on the edge of death. As you can see here, completely devoid of life, but still alive. What you're going to see shortly is one particular calf, and it's calf tear. When a calf is taken to the works, it has to be identified by a calf tear, which shows what farm this calf is from. This video shows the tag of the farm in question, and proves that this farm is the Crafus farm at Bendale. Wallace Cork is the name of the 
the uh, networks where these calves are taken. In many cases, the people picking up the calves are not allowed to take them when they're not in a fit state. And in that case, many farmers will uh, kill the calves, normally humanely. But unfortunately, what happened in this case is that the workers were knocking them on the head with hammers and slitting their throats before piling them on, onto a pile of calves. And we'll show you some still pictures shortly. Well, there you have it. That's, that's the shocking video from the Crafers Farm at Beniedale near Tokoroa. There are some real questions to answer from this video. For example, why didn't Fonterra do something about this farm? Everyone knew that the Crafer Farm's operation was poorly managed, poorly run, had too much debt, was a dirty dairying operation, and at some stage would damage the reputation of Fonterra. And now it has. Why too didn't MAF, the Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry, decide to step in here? We understand that it had been to this particular farm many times after complaints of animal neglect. Now, after this case of the video was taken, a complaint was made to MAF and an inspector came to have a look at the situation. When they found the calves in the state they were, they ordered them to be slaughtered. And in fact, the rest were shot. However, we understand that the MAF inspector tipped off the farm involved. And so the farmer went around to kill as many of the uh, uh, dead or dying calves uh, to make sure that they were piled up and hid away. Yet still, MAF had to kill many of them. MAF has been following this farm for some time. Why didn't it shut it down? MAF has told us and confirmed the incident uh, in hand and said that it had spoken to the farmer involved, that it was a management issue, and at this stage was not planning a prosecution. We asked the question, why hasn't MAF, MAF prosecuted this farm many times? Why hasn't it been shut down? And finally, why did the banks, and they are Westpac and Rabobank, lend so much money to the Crafer Farms, over $200 million, to the point now where the Crafer Farms are essentially worth nothing to the owners of the farm, and the value of the land is worth less than the debt involved. And finally, this is a question for all of New Zealand. Why have we allowed the growth, the incredibly fast growth, of family, family farms into factory farms in New Zealand? So big, so hard to manage in many cases, so indebted that animals are being neglected and we are endangering New Zealand's image as a clean green place to come and to buy its food from. Are we really 100% pure when we have factory farms like this where animals are neglected and we risk damaging our reputation in the eyes of the rest of the world? I'm Bernard Hickey. That was a special report on animal neglect at Crafer Farms near Bennydale in the North Island. To go over the facts from the clip, the Crafer's farming operations grew quickly, they took on debt, and this particular farm was so poorly staffed that the animals were not taught to drink from a trough, an unnatural behaviour for animals. In New Zealand, we have the term bobby calf for baby male cattle, calves that are sold at a few days old. They are taken on a truck to be slaughtered. Of course, cows need to have offspring to produce milk, and males are a waste since they cannot produce milk. They're a liability. Like roosters, they are just discarded. Reading from a yearonthefarm.co.nz, the term bobby calf could be from a historical price of each calf being sold for a bob, 
which was one pound. The same site says that nowadays bobby calves will sell for about 10 to 20 New Zealand dollars each. That's how much their lives are worth, about the same as a couple fast food combos. These poor baby calves have plastic tags stuck through their ears, identifying what farm they are from. People have been so angry and upset by this incident, but what is the difference really? These are animals that are only kept alive to be killed somewhere else, at a few days old, for people to eat. It shouldn't be difficult to realise that we are responsible for creating the demand for milk. By drinking their mother's milk, males are sometimes born. These males are not useful for dairy production. You only need female cattle. And you can't have milk without a baby. Here's a second clip covering the story from Close Up. The reporter questions farm staff including Alan Crafer himself. I want to be very upfront with you about the story you're bringing you tonight. You are not going to like what you see because it's animal neglect on a large scale. And what's more, it's on a property owned by our biggest dairy producer. We've got video of calves literally starving to death. Animals taken from their mothers but not fed. When MAF eventually turned up, they had to put down more than 100 calves. I say eventually because one of the disturbing aspects of this case is that it took Ministry Animal Welfare Officers two and a half days to get there. And even then, they tipped off the farm they were coming. Matt Chisholm with this investigation, and again, a warning, the pictures are graphic. You're alive! Hey, sweetie. Come on. Up, up, up. Hey. It's a cruel, slow demise. You're breathing. These worthless and unwanted calves starving to death. It's dead. These pictures filmed by someone who feared possible reprisals. Someone who didn't want to be identified in any way. There was, um, one's dying. Very gaunt. Very hollow. Dehydrated. Bellowing. They got so hoarse from the bellowing that but they really couldn't cry anymore, they were sort of like squeaking. You hungry, Bubby? Hey? These pictures captured after we are told 20 to 30 of the weakest animals had already been destroyed. Oh, you're alive! They need to be taught to feed off a cafeteria. They just hadn't been taught, and a lot of them had given up. As we'll discover later, MAF were informed of the neglect, but took two and a half days to finally act. There was no need for it. You know, I wanted to know who was responsible. MAF would put down another 100 calves on this property at Benedale in the King Country. The animal's owned by one of the biggest dairy farming companies in the country. The majority shareholder, Alan Crafer, but he wasn't there when we first called. Yeah, I understand that a lot of calves aren't fit enough to go on the bobby calf truck. Yeah. They're not accepting them. Why is that? I'm not a bobby truck truck driver. <laughs> I don't care. You don't care? Oh, I'm not about bobby calves. We had reason to, to believe that calves were starving to death? No. Doesn't happen here? Not now. Not now? No. When did it happen? Oh, uh, no comment, I'm sorry, I don't run this farm. But you just... I'm going to ring the cops. Oh, you ring the cops? Well, you've asked us to leave, we're leaving now. Yeah, go. OK, see ya. Do you mind moving your truck so we can get out, please? Oh, well, I can't go over the top here. We eventually caught up with the big boss, Alan Crafer. 
I don't farm for money, I farm for the bloody excitement of producing product for New Zealand. Owner of 22 dairy farms across the central North Island. They're only worth a dollar, you remember, and it'd probably cost you $7 to feed them and muck around with them. In theory, you should kill every calf that you don't want at birth in this financial situation because it's not economic to feed them. Starving calves to death, is that policy or mismanagement? We haven't got a policy of starving calves. We, start, we feed calves beautifully on most, just about every farm. But not this one? Well, we were unaware of that. You know, you just don't want to see cows. You don't want to see cows in, in suffering. And calves? You just hate, hate to see it. I hate to even hit them on the head, let alone bloody see them suffering. Why are calves on this property starving to death? The manager there had a bad accident, broke both legs below the knees. He had young people in charge of the calf rearing, which is always a mistake. But it's up to them what they do on a daily basis. I can't be holding the hand. I can't go and break the manager's leg because they're already broken. That accident, we're told, happened the same day MAF arrived, some two and a half days after they were first notified of the neglect. There were a few dead animals, um, there were a number of very hungry animals, but the animals were intended to be destroyed using blunt force trauma with a hammer, um, which is an approved destruction method for bobby calves. Um, we intervened, uh, we had the opportunity to go in there and more effectively or humanely shoot the animals, which we did. MAF never contacted me. If they were notified on the Saturday, why did they not ring us? Why did we not hear about it until the Monday afternoon? That is cruelty on their part. But hasn't MAF got blood on their hands here? How many calves died a slow, cruel death as a result of your inaction? No, I don't think we do because we don't operate a 24-7 operation, unfortunately. We don't have the capacity to do that. Yet another issue. The farm was tipped off by MAF before the investigator arrived. They sent through a crew to uh, get rid of the worst of the calves so that it didn't look so bad. So if there is obvious neglect on a property, and you guys alert the farmer to the fact that you're on your, on your way, aren't they just going to go in there and do a clean-up job? Um, no, the reason I say no is because for most of the scenarios that we deal with, um, you're not in a position where you can cover up the kinds of issues that we're often attending to. Um, but that's what happened in this case. They went in and they killed 30 calves before you arrived. Um, well, I'm not aware of that. The sad reality is a lot of these calves are an unwanted byproduct of a struggling industry. My first call to MAF, I spoke to a lady, a lovely lady. She said that there was a lot of this at the moment. Farmers may neglect the feeding or watering or shelter aspect um, by virtue of an economic consideration. So some farmers may actually make the decision to not feed their calves milk? Um, that's right. For his part, Alan Crafer says he's appalled that calves were starved on one of his properties. And I'm bloody ashamed that that happened over there. Very ashamed because I love cows. I live for cows, I die for cows. I'm going to die for cows. They're going to kill me probably, but they're my mates. Now, Lachlan McKenzie is the head of Dairy for Federated Farmers. He joins me now from our Wellington studio. Look, Lachlan McKenzie, this paints farmers in a terrible light. Is it acceptable what you've seen? It's not acceptable and I, unfortunately I can't talk about that case because it'll be obviously going before the courts. But uh, we, we uh, operate in an open society and as you can see there was a farmer there that dobbed that case in. Um, but we, we are open. 99% uh, of farmers uh, com uh, comply with the code of, of conduct, uh, code of welfare and uh, we all try and fully feed our animals right up to the day of slaughter. But as a farmer yourself 
you would be distressed to see those scenes. Yes, I've been farming for 30 years and I've never seen a scene like that. Look, the other issue that, that arises here is the role that MAF plays in this, and both the farm owner, I think, and the people who, who, who basically whistleblew on the story seem to have some concerns about MAF, because they're saying, we don't have the resources. Well, my understanding is that MAF went and uh, did a... Uh, visited 300 farms this spring, unannounced, and then never found one case of neglect. And so that tells you that the random sampling, um, unannounced, uh, hasn't shown up anything. This, this, hey, this is one case um, in my farming career. I can count on probably one hand the number of cases like this. And so 99% of farmers look after the animals very well. But see, we also heard in that case the farmer there, I mean, he was obviously distressed to discover what was happening on his farm, saying, if MAF had rang me, I could have done something. Yes, and you could see him breaking down there. So, I mean, are there, are there questions that fed farmers would want to know from MAF in terms of its operation, in terms of the protocols it's operating under? No, I think the protocols are pretty good. We, we uh, most farmers, uh, NAWAC, which is the National Animal Standards, Welfare Standards, a code of practice there. Most farmers operate under that. Um, there's SPCA, um, there are other farmers and the Federated Farmers. We'll all intervene if we see something like that. So if MAF don't have the resources, they can call on other people to help them out. I mean, it would seem in this case, I mean, that the problem is they didn't, as we saw matches and put to MAF, that had they acted earlier, the suffering for some of those calves would have been ended. Yes, and, uh, but I can't comment about this because it'll be before the courts. OK, look, in terms of... Because people watching us will be very, very disturbed by what they see. I mean, how do we know this isn't widespread through the industry? Because most farms are open. You can drive down the road. Um, we have vets. We have other farmers all looking over the fence. Federated Farmers has an open day, and we're going to have another open day this year throughout the country on the 28th of March this year, I think it is. Um, we, we invite farmers, to town people, anybody, to come in and have a look at farming. Most farmers do not have a big fence or a hedge down the roadside, and you can look across the paddocks and see the cows and the, and the ca calves out on the grass paddocks. So because, we can't hide most of our systems. Because the, the person who blew the whistle when they rang MAF was told by the person who answered the phone, yes, we've had lots and lots of these calls. Even MAF told us initially that, that, that this was a widespread problem. You dispute I, that. Well, I can't see any evidence of that widespread problem. Is part of the problem the scale of some of the operations in this country? Now, I mean, this is the biggest dairy operation in the country. I mean, is, is, is this part of the problem? Scale can lead to things happening that even some of the best of intentions cannot be on top of. Unfortunately, we have examples of, of people who have cruelty to dogs or chickens uh, in the backyard and various things. Unfortunately, with dealing with livestock and dealing with humans, you are going to get the odd case there where things go seriously wrong. And you've heard of um, this case here. Things have obviously gone seriously wrong. Uh, we can't condone that. And uh, the general practice is, is to roll up our sleeves and fix it. But you know what some people watching tonight will suspect? They'll say, look, farmers will turn a blind eye to their own if something's going wrong. What can you they say won't. to reassure people? They won't turn a blind eye, and um, by your story, I think it was a fellow farmer who blew the whistle on this case. And so most farmers, if you talk to the animal welfare people, you talk to SPCA, most of the time it's fellow farmers that ring them up and say, hey, can you go and help someone down the road because I think there might be a problem there. Lachlan McKenzie from Federated Farmers, thank you for your time tonight.
The staff in that clip were very rude and didn't really seem to know what to do. The woman in the clip threatened the reporter a couple of times. Ellen Crafer in the close-up clip said about having to kill all the baby cows as soon as possible. Crafer said they are only worth a dollar and will probably cost seven dollars to feed them and muck around with them. In theory, you should kill every calf you don't want at birth, saying it wasn't worth the effort to feed them. But when it comes to starving cows to death, he gets emotional thinking of cows suffering. Well, the point of farming the poor cows is to sell them for slaughter, which sure counts as suffering to me. Here's another clip, better explaining the situation. Joining me now from our Wellington studio is Dairy NZ chairman John Luxton. John, thanks for joining us. Is this typical of what's going on in the dairy industry, or is this a one-off? I, I think there, there are certainly a few farms, uh, farming companies that have got uh, far too much debt at present. They've been caught out with the huge fall in commodity prices. But by and large, across the industry, uh, there's a lot of farmers who still have reasonably comfortable debt levels. This is our biggest agricultural player by, by some way. Are we now likely to see of ru a rush of farmers going a similar way, or has it just come down to, as you've already mentioned, the debt levels that are involved here? I think it's as much uh, the debt levels involved, and there are a few uh, particularly very progressive farmers who have found themselves with far too much debt at this stage, uh, expecting commodity prices to continue to boom. Uh, they've collapsed, uh, and this is the same in a lot of other sectors that have commodity uh, uh, products for sale. They ended up with the same sort of issue. It's not just uh, daring alone that's got the same problem. Let's talk about, about a point that made in, in Catherine's story. We heard about compliance costs and having to deal with the, the, the fallout from uh, environmental groups with environmental safeguards and that. How much of a part is that playing in farmers' lives today and in the bottom line? Uh, I th it's, it's important. I mean, uh, farming only exists uh, with the support of the wider community. Uh, it helps support the wider community as well. But um, without a doubt, as farming has become more intensive, then society has wanted standards to be improved on farm. And most farmers are doing that. I mean, the Clean Streams Accord that Fonterra has signed, uh, uh, many, or most farmers are abiding by that, they're planting along waterways uh, and we're actually seeing quite a marked improvement in, in how people are handling effluent across the country. Is there anything that could have been done to have saved the, the 22 farms involved in the Crafer operation? Uh, they, they were good farmers by and large but uh, I think they got let down to some extent. Uh, they employed a lot of people. Uh, they perhaps uh, ran too close to the wire and as a result um, have struggled with, with an increasing debt level. Uh, you know, you, you actually have to meet the requirements, you have to meet the rules and regulations that society imposes on you uh, and we want our industry to be sustainable and by and large it will be. 22 farms now being sold, what sort of a difference is that going to make broadly speaking to the productivity of the, in the industry, the state of the industry and of course somebody else is going to eventually buy all of those 22 farms? Uh, they will uh, and uh, hopefully uh, whoever buys will have a reasonable amount of equity, go equity to go in. Uh, any business today uh, can't really survive totally on debt funding and so um, uh, people are looking at ways in which they can restructure it and I think that you'll see a gradual decline uh, in land values. It's happened already over the last 12 months uh, and we're likely to see a little bit more in the next year but one's also hopeful that we'll see some turnaround in commodity prices 
and possibly with the New Zealand dollar over the next 12 months. The word is that there is interest overseas uh, for this operation, potentially from China. Is that a viable option? Yeah. Well, not necessarily China. Uh, there has been quite a lot of overseas investment into New Zealand agriculture over the last 30 years, really. Uh, and many people see it as a very safe environment in which they can hold assets. Um, you know, if you've been investing in the share markets in the US or in Europe, uh, those people have taken a hiding also on the value of their assets over the last 12 months. Uh, so we're producing a commodity and we've seen land prices fall. Now, if you go back five years, most farmers actually owned their farms in any way. So for most farmers, uh, it's... Uh, tighten the belt, uh, look at ways of improving their productivity and ensuring that they are sustainable long term. We've seen a lot of fluctuation in, in the milk powder prices over the past few months, of course. Of late, they have been going up. Is that going to be enough good news and enough to keep a lot of farmers afloat? I think the banks will certainly be looking at that very closely, and I know they are managing a, a, a small number uh, of their clients who have quite high level, levels of debt. Um, part of the problem is whilst the global uh, auction system has moved the price up, a lot of the milk products sold out of New Zealand are sold on three and six month contracts and longer term contracts. So it's going to take a little while for it to come through. Likewise, the forward cover positions of the industry mean it's going to take a little while. But uh, already the banks are predicting some upswing uh, in the payout for this coming season or the season we're in at present and probably further upswing the following year, but not back to the levels that we had two years ago. All right, thank you so much for your time. John Luxton, Chairman of Dairy NZ. You're most welcome. And finally, my last clip for this episode. Alan Crafer returns. There are fears tonight that farm prices could plummet as our largest dairy landowners get ready to sell up. Alan and Frank Crafer own 22 properties around the North Island from one of the farms near Bulls. Here's reporter Catherine Loft. Well, I'm standing on one of the Crafer's farms near Scott Ferry. Now, the Crafer's only bought this farm a couple of years ago and already they're selling up. They also have pleaded guilty to discharging affluent into the waterways around here. So the problems really do keep mounting for them. Alan Crafer's golden run is over. The country's largest dairy farmer has been forced to sell up. We've had enough of pressure from all sorts of people outside the farm gate which seem to know more about our business than we do. Alan and his brother Frank own 22 dairy farms across the country, all of which are going on the market. It's understood the Crafers owe the banks more than $150 million. Convinced a lot of bankers to lend a lot of money over the years and they've always had confidence in us. And we've, because we've pretty much carried out what we said we were going to do every time we've done it. Alan Crafer is blaming compliance costs and prosecutions for the sell-up. They received a record $90,000 fine last month for discharging affluent. One News obtained this exclusive footage three years ago after a manager on a Crafer-owned farm was prosecuted for breaching animal welfare laws. Cows were starved to death and bobby calves left without water. It's a sad day and a sad day for New Zealand dairy industry because um, one of their most productive families and hardest working families is feel like they're getting run out of town. It's another blow for dairy farmers already feeling the pinch. At a time when global milk prices have halved in the last year and banks have tightened up on lending. It's just a sign of the times that uh, even previously successful businesses 
are struggling in the current environment. The sell-up is already prompting fears that putting more farms onto the market could drive down property prices. If they want the crazy prices of before, there's no buyer for them. So, so properties are quite often just sitting on the market for a long time. But the Crafers will be hoping for a speedier sale. Catherine, what are the prospects looking like for selling these farms? Well, Federated Farmers said that all the farms are worth over $200 million. Now, when I spoke to Alan Crafer today, he said that he's hoping to have them all sold by May next year. Now, we understand that a lot of people are owed money by the Crafers, not just the banks. Now, uh, in fact, a farmer here in the Manawatu is owed about $8 million by the Crafers, and he's currently in a court battle. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of people watching these sales closely. OK, thanks for the update, Catherine. Catherine Loft reporting from Bull. Alan Crafer blames all sorts of other people for what has happened on his farms. The Crafers have polluted rivers, borrowed huge sums of money from bankers, over 150 million New Zealand dollars, and have now been caught letting cows starve to death. That last clip mentioned Alan Crafer blaming compliance cost and being prosecuted for having to sell his farms. Not once does he admit to having done wrong himself. It's the fault of the people who set the rules about not dumping waste into New Zealand rivers and who disagree with starving calves to death. I've talked to friends overseas who have been shocked by what has happened with these calves. There are genuine fears that New Zealand's image of being a clean, green country has been badly hurt by the videos that have gotten out of the Crafer's farm. As far as I'm concerned, incidents like this must be happening all the time. People get very upset when the media covers animal welfare concerns, but then the story soon fades away. Many people will have been shocked by the Mike King story with New Zealand pork. I bet that many thought of eating only free-range slash organic slash washed-in-unicorn smiles pig meat. How many of these people have stuck to that idea that they could buy more expensive meat and hope that animals are killed humanely? Really, the issue here is demand. People want animal products, and so they are created by farmers. Most people, it seems, don't want to think about how the animal got to their plate. We need to be promoting veganism, using creative resources. I hope my lame little podcasts can help spread a greater message of being an abolitionist vegan. I hope you've enjoyed the first proper episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the blog at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com Episodes from Joe Won't Dart's podcast are also linked there, so you can hear my earlier episodes about animal rights before I decided to do a separate podcast for that topic. If you'd like to contact me, my email is still jwontdart at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter under jwontdart. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things, and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.